it's me again. Listen, it's called the MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From LA, the MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. This episode, Joe's to Champion. Changing ways of watching TV. The favorite. Shows to champion. Ah, do you have a TV show? Oh, are you kidding? Of course I do. Dun, 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 dun. Let's talk about Star Trek Discovery. Um, Is that the CBS All Access? Yes, it's on CBS All Access. Now, here's the good news. It's like any other All Access kind of thing where you can get a free trial. Okay, now, uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 1. This is the first new Star Trek series since the mid-2000s when Star Trek Enterprise was released and was not very successful at all. Most people hated it. Season 1 of uh, Star Trek Discovery became famous as one of the top three most expensive shows ever produced per episode. It was right up there with Game of Thrones and I forget what the other one was. But they were making this for almost a million and a half per episode, and ooh, it looks it. Okay, now the first season, I'm going to admit, is a bit geeky. Uh, There's a bit way too much fan service. But luckily, producers, creative team, or whatever, listened to the fans. And luckily, the fans told them to go less geeky. Let's try and make this more accessible to the average people. Because again, you know, this is Star Trek. You know, this was a series that was once saved by a letter-writing campaign, and now, you know, they're drawing $9 million, uh, a show. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is fragmentation of the audience, yeah, yeah. right? On the other hand, you know, this thing created CBS All Access because before this, there was nothing original on there, and 90% of it was NCIS. So, Good Wife spinoff. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And, they, and then, you know, they have the old uh, Twilight Zones on there. They, they have, have the all old, the CBS shows, I think. I Love Lucy's, yeah. yeah the, the old, uh, maybe even The Odd Couple is on there, which is worth a look. Uh, the Klugman Randall Odd Couples. But, uh, but this new season, wow. We actually have a continuing storyline, but it's not obsessive. So you can actually just pick one episode and enjoy it as a bottle episode if you like. Um, this is easily the best Star Trek series since Deep Space Nine of the mid-1990s. Uh, it's something I think that if you like science fiction, you'll enjoy it. If you like Star Trek, you'll love it. Um, really an exciting show and fresh and optimistic. You know, this is one of the things there's always this big debate about Star Trek versus Star Wars. And the thing that's always been great about Star Trek is it has this positive vision of the future without being like, uh, without ignoring the tough problems that we face today, without ignoring uh, racism and, and, and poverty and inequality and stuff like this. They actually acknowledge this, but yet still produce, even to a cynical bastard like me, a positive future. And this is something that Star Wars, for all its positives, doesn't do. I mean, in Star Wars, there's always the threat that any second will be taken over by this evil empire. Uh, and, and that sort of thing doesn't exist for Star Trek. And so in that respect, Star Trek is keeping to the old ideals, but it's almost fresh on American TV now. Uh, I highly recommend this show. You can actually get season one on DVD if you want. Season two is currently running. They're in about episode eight. They're going to run, I think, 14 episodes. So again, like I say, hey, wait until it's over. 
started in April, May, CBS All Access. You can do it in a week, easy. You won't want to put it down. Very funny, very exciting stuff. Walter Hall. If I had to pick one, um, I would probably, I'm torn between, and these aren't my favorite TV shows, but I think it show the champion. Um, if I have to pick one, I'll just do Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, it, it's it's a sitcom where uh, it stars Ray Romano, Patricia Heaton, uh, Doris Roberts, uh, Peter Boyle. Uh, and it's just, it's a series where, um, and Brad Garrett, sorry. And it's a series where it's, it's unique in that there's only one storyline for every episode. Uh, most TV shows, sitcom or drama, they have, Two, three storylines. A, B, yeah, plot. yeah, yeah. A storyline. Every other has one storyline on in every episode, and each episode's it's funny, and they really get about the, the what they get really well is the vulnerability of all the characters, and even though you there's people that you that come in that they bother you, they annoy you, there's they're likable, and I and I, whenever I meet with actors, uh, when they talk to me about, it, I always tell them and remind them be likable. Even if you're the bad guy, be likable. And you watch the subtlety of like Jack Nicholson when he plays the bad guy. He's still so likable. And you pull for him, even though he's the bad guy. And everybody's and remember, it's not a good guy, bad guy show, but it's just the vulnerability that they all the characters have. And it's just a funny show. It's just, to me, it's just, there's not a bad episode in the bunch. You just, you just watch it. The one thing that's missing is, uh, Rachel, you may not know this, this TV device, but uh, Oz, you probably know this, is when we were younger is they used to have one episode where it was kind of like, oh, remember like oh, last, yeah. remember last month the when clip we did show. this? Yeah, clip it was show. all clips. They got rid of that, I think like in the mid-90s, they stopped doing that. But like, That um, was a thing? Yeah, like Castle, yeah. Castle did it once. Actually, Castle did it twice, uh, which was the ABC show with Nathan Fillion and Stan Kotick. Um, I, I would have talked about Castle, but the entire series is, isn't that good because the last two, two, three seasons, Stana and Nathan didn't get along. So they actually shot them separately. And That's so what it, I heard. It affected wow. the show. Yeah. stuff. Um, but they would have these like clip shows and it was awesome because if it's a show that you liked and there's this episode where they just, because what, what, what we called it in TV, I forgot what they called it, but basically it's a, it's an episode where you need to make up um, all the money that you lost in the first like, you know, the first like 15, 20 episodes, you lost all this money. So like we need one episode where we shoot it in one scene, like one, one little setting and then we'll just do clips. And that saves us a lot of money. And that's what, what that, the purpose of that was. Because each episode, they, they, TV operates at a deficit for the first four seasons. Mm-hmm. So to make up for some of that money, to recoup some of that money, what they'll do is one episode towards like, I'd say the late teens episodes, like 15, 16, 17, 18, they'll do like this show where they'll be like, oh, remember like when we did this? And they'll show clips of, oh, how about when you did that? And they'll show another clip. And it's a completely cheap, it's a, almost a free show. They still pay the actors, but in terms of like the crew, they don't pay anyone, just the editor. And so they save a lot of money. Oh, I think, did Friends do this? Friends have done oh, sure. it a couple times. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, times. I know yeah. what you're talking about. But they don't have to pay. There's no crew. There's no camera that they have to pay for. Below the line, they don't really need to pay because it's all just editing. Um, but they don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, well, you know why? You know why? Because the best clip show ever was the second episode, season one of South Park. They did a clip show oh, they for did. the second episode, right? And oh, so since then, so it's dead. That's it's funny. Dead. That's funny. Oh, it's brilliant, too. It's so funny. See the first one and then see the clip show. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really great. Uh, everyone Loves Raymond It was remade in Russia. Yes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Like, one of the key Good things uh, wow. with Everyone Loves Raymond, I found this out. They did a, they did a Paley Festival thing. On it, and what I found out is they kept the, a lot of the same writers. 
which is rare for sitcoms. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, but And that's a perfect storm of things. You have to meet people that you get along with. So mm-hmm. that, that's a, I think you set that aside. But the one thing that they did that other shows don't do and they fail to do all the time is this. When they do a joke and it gets a good laugh, they stick with that joke. What sitcoms do, uh, what sitcoms have always done and they, they currently do is this, is they'll do a joke and they'll put it aside. They go, okay, that was funny, but let's see if we can make it better. And the riders will stay from nine in the morning till 10 yeah. at night and they don't live their lives. And everybody was, Raymond Phil Rosenthal said, no, 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 it's five, six. You guys go live your life so that we, we, can, get, we can get more stories. So he even said, if, if I did a traditional sitcom, none of these stories would come about because no one's living their lives mm-hmm. and we need real life stories. And, they, and he said they also stuck to the original joke because they knew it was funny. They were confident. Because what happens is you hear the joke over and over and you think, oh, it's not that funny. We need a new joke. That's not the case. It's not funny to you because you've heard it like five times. And I think that really set that show apart. It's not more so than keeping the same writers for all those years. It was the fact that they trusted themselves and they said, this is funny. Let's not ruin it. Let's just keep this and we're going to shoot this. And they allowed them to live their lives. They would go home at 5 or 6 p.m. And then they would come to work and they'd be like, oh, I got this great thing because they were able to, to go on and do that. And I think top to bottom, that show just really... Yeah, that it showed how, how great each episode is. There's a beginning, middle, and end. There's a story. There's a theme. And, and, and it, shows, it shows when you're watching it. Rachel? I agree. That's a good show. That was something I'd watch with my parents and my brothers, and we could all enjoy it. Yeah. And that's, a, that's something hard to come by. That's another thing, like, Netflix is doing. Like, we all have our own shows now. Yeah. We're not watching things together. Kind of a bummer. Um, let's see. I think the show I'd like to talk about this week... I just started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, a couple months ago. Um, Part of it was because uh, my mom and I, like when I was in high school, high school, college, like for my summer job, I would go be an extra in movies and TV and my mom would go and do it with me. And she got a part on like a uh, extra background part on like Always Sunny. And um, she passed away a few years ago and I was like, oh, you know what? Like I want to go find that episode. I've never seen this show like... I know that she watched the episode she was in, and she was like, I don't know, nah, this show's not that good. It's like people screaming, and they're all stupid, and <laughs> things like that. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't think about it again, but like, rec- like recently, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and find that episode. Um, so I watched, um, I, I knew it's, it was going to be way back, but just to like get myself into the universe, like I watched something, uh, one of the, an episode of the most recent season, and I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. They've got some clever stuff on here. So I went back to the beginning and recently I found the episode that she was on. She's a nurse walking around in the background when Caitlin Olson's character, D, Deandra, has a heart attack and she's just walking around like checking like a test tube vial or something like that. And I was like, okay, I found it. And I was like, I'm hooked on this show though. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like these, it's so funny that um, I, I, I listened to some podcasts by the creators, Charlie Day, Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howerton. Like, they're actually, they're the stars of it as well. And the writers and the producers, like, they, they do everything. But it started out as a um, festival submission. They were just doing, like, a short film, I think. And it, it's, uh, it's the episode where Charlie thinks he has cancer. And then he goes and, like, wants to tell his neighbor, but his neighbor just wants a cup of coffee and is trying to get rid of this annoying neighbor that is trying to tell him this heartbreaking news that he thinks he has cancer. Um, But they, yeah, so they made this short on, like, a a handheld, like, camcorder on a Panasonic DVX100, I think. And, you know, they made it and they were like, 
Oh, this is pretty funny. It's like it could it suits like the TV format. So they shopped it around. FX really liked it, and I think they they got offers, but FX was the only studio that didn't want them to change anything. They so they they whipped out an entire pilot, and I think I think it might have been. They they might have given FX more than a pilot just to see how it was, but like they made they made a few episodes I think, and FX was like great let's do it and they they gave them basically full control and I think that's why a lot of filmmakers do like FX because I've heard FX tends to do that I don't know if that's the case today, but as far as I know like these Charlie Day Rob McElhenney and Glenn Howerton they're still in charge of everything on the show um and they added Caitlin Olsen and Danny DeVito and it's just it's it's funny that they shot like besides that short they were they shot the pilot and then the next few episodes with two Panasonic handheld cameras like it was them and their friends and some tripods and they were they tried a couple different things i think it's they they ended up it's i think it's single cam now but they were trying like multi-cam style in like somebody's apartment and they made it for nothing there's like a rumor out there that they spent two hundred dollars um creating that initial short that they were shopping around but i think charlie day has since debunked that and said you know we we made it for nothing like we we didn't spend any money it cost us nothing and now they're on season 12 they have more seasons than friends They have 12 seasons. It's in 12 12 seasons? Yeah, and I think this is, this really is a show that you can watch, like, I think you can watch them, like, they're capsule episodes. Like, you don't have to have watched the previous one. There will be inside jokes, but standalone, they're hilarious. Like, they have episodes that, like, are um, musicals. They have an episode where they make fun of multicam sitcom. It's... It's it's great. I mean, obviously there there are like a couple episodes I've seen so far. I'm like, oh, that wasn't as great. But like, they these these guys are so talented, especially Charlie Day. Like their musical episodes, Charlie Day, like him and I think one of the other writers, like they wrote all the music for it, and they're singing the songs. And Charlie Day is actually playing piano. Oh, wow. It's 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 a wild thing, and it still looks, you know, it still looks like they don't have to spend a whole lot of money. But the writing carries the show, and they're so talented. I don't think any of them, except for Charlie Day, were trying to get into comedy either. Like Glenn Howerton was like a serious, dramatic, like Shakespeare actor, but he, they just happen to be friends, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to shoot something?" Yeah, sure. And they're 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 shooting their thirteenth season, I think, soon. Is the behavior of watching TV with others going away? Yeah, I think it's going. I can't think of the last time I watched something with somebody. Like I talk about watching, rewatching amazing shows with my friends, but we haven't done it. Like we haven't sat down and watched uh, what was that western with uh, Michelle Dockery in it? Godless. We haven't done it. Like we haven't watched that together. Because no one's watched that show. Yeah. Uh, no, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been away with me for a long time. Um, yeah, because just in case I might cry, I don't. Want, I don't need other people to see that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, I'm enjoying right now, you know, again, like my daughters are now getting serious about movies and stuff. So I enjoy turning them on to stuff now. And also, I thought Netflix and chill was a big thing. I thought that was a date now. Well, I don't, I don't date anymore. Chill so. is something I don't else. Think, I, think that, I think that Netflix is only for five minutes and then the chill takes the, the next two minutes. Well, that counts, right? You have the subscription, <laughs> you turn the TV on. I will say, though, like, I, there is, like, I do watch, like, TV with my boyfriend like when we happen to like be um, Skyping together we'll like turn on we both watch Always Sunny so we'll like turn it on at the same time yeah we're we're in a long distance relationship so yeah yeah, so we watch it like long distance like we're in 
like our own different parts of the world, mm-hmm. but we'll watch it at the same time and laugh at the same jokes. So, but I don't. That's that's a pretty rare occurrence, though. I feel like not everybody. But there's has... even there's even these things now, like they do one for Star Trek: The Original Series, where it's on midnight. I think on saturday night so you can tell what kind of people are involved in this but they go on twitter and they all agree to watch a classic episode at the same time that's so and the, cool and, and they yeah, live tweet through netflix yeah and then you live tweet i can so see I that think, happening on twitch so i think the group watching experience is still going to happen but hey stream it's true yeah hey stream it because vic on vicky vicky.com you can uh live chat as yeah. you're watching yeah. so you don't have to watch it at the same time, but uh, like let's say like you guys all watched it first, and I watch it later. All your chats come up yeah. while the episode's going. Exactly yeah. yeah, I don't like it because it you know it takes me away from the show. Uh, but yeah, like, I'll go back if I really there was a point like because you know sometimes like when you watch TV you're like oh, I hate this person, but if I feel like I'm the only one hating that person, I, I feel alone. But if I if I know at least one other person hates that person, I feel like I'm, my life is validated. And on the internet, you can always find somebody to exactly. hate somebody. <laughs> and then so what, what's cool is you, you get to go back and then turn the captions on and you realize, oh yeah, she's a blah, 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 or like he's a blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. One of the greatest experiences I had, well, experience, I use that in quotes. One of the greatest things I did last year was uh, Twitch TV for like three months was running a Doctor Who marathon. 1963 to 1989. That's they ran cool. Every single show. And it's like there was a chat. And, you know, of course, a lot of the time it's going by so fast you yeah. couldn't read it. But in jokes were getting developed. And you, and, hey, you're here again. How's it going? And, you know, you met people. And, you know, it was just really dope. It was just so, so maybe not you're actually sitting around with people, but. You know, again, it's streaming world, right? So we're we're together alone or alone. Yeah, yeah, together. yeah, yeah. Perfect for the introverted extrovert. There you go. Uh, percentage of how much you watch TV compared to the computer? Gee, I almost always have my tablet or computer on with my sling. So, so I'd say it's about tablet, maybe sixty percent. Computer, maybe forty. My TV does not have TV on it. <laughs> my TV has our game systems on it. <laughs> Priority. Um, for news, I read all my news on, on my phone, but TV, 100%. I watch everything on TV. Wow. I, I believe TV, movies should be watched on TV and the movie theater screens. Like, and it's just, because there's some, to me, for me, there's something to um, that rest. Like, you're at home, you're comfortable, you plop down on the couch, you turn on your TV, and you just enjoy. Whether you like what you see or not, you're just, that whole act of just plopping down your couch, that rest is what I think a lot of people neglect in their lives. Rachel? I just sit really close to my 17 and a half inch Mac. Mm-hmm. iMac? Um, no, I just moved, so I'm shopping for a TV right now, but uh, Walter, I would totally, I'm, when I get my TV, it's going to be that. It's going to be that rest because I don't like being, always staying in the same space that I'm doing work in. Mm-hmm. So, when I do get my TV, holler at me with your suggestions for smart TVs, please. Um, yes. But yeah, when I get that, it's going to be mostly my TV. Yeah. And then occasionally on my phone for like cat videos. <laughs> oh, so Lord. Is... If you compare YouTube videos and everything else you watch, okay, what is the percentage? YouTube videos, everything else you watch. Gee, I don't even watch YouTube anymore. I don't. I uh, I listen to it for music once in a while, but I mean, I'm literally listening to it for music, and it's pretty weird too that it's easier to go to YouTube now than something like iTunes to find music. But uh, yeah, so maybe two percent, and I'm not even really watching it. Walter, yeah, I'd say two, maybe five percent YouTube. 
maybe. And it's only because I'm directed to there, to go there. Mm. Um, the rest is all uh, yeah, everything else. Rachel? Yeah, about 10, but I think it's, I'm directed there too usually. I don't like voluntarily go to YouTube unless I'm doing some research. Um, like I'm looking for like archival footage or like somebody's like how-to cooking video. Like I'll go to that. But a lot of the times, like if I'm watching like funny clips or something or news things, like it'll be on like, it'll be uploaded to Twitter or something. Yeah, what would you predict for a uh, 15 year old? What would be the percentage? Who's got kids? Uh, 75% minimum. I mean, my younger daughter, that's 90% of her internet time. And she's always on the internet. It's just YouTube. So these kids learn stuff on YouTube. They watch other people play games, which is the weirdest thing. Yeah. Stuff like that. That one I just don't yeah. get. But <laughs> I don't begrudge them that. It's, that's your thing, whatever. So, but yeah, high. I guess high. now that you mention it, maybe it is more higher than 10% for me because I feel like I do watch cooking videos more often than I oh, think I do. Go. I thought you were going to say you watch people play videos. Yeah. yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> If I'm if I'm watching a game, it's because I'm playing it though. Like I don't want to. I don't care to watch other people play games because you don't know if they're cheating or not. Like <laughs> you don't know if they got some like cheat code. They're like typing in Rosebud on the side so they can fly. No, <laughs> I want to. I want to play. Shout out to the Spider-Man game. Waiting for the next one. Yeah. I mean, I can my I I can talk about my brother who's 23. He's he's on it a lot. Um, but he's like, he watches his news on YouTube, um, though. So I think like 50. The Favorite. Nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. Winner, Best Actress, Olivia Coleman. Set in 18th century during a war between England and France, Queen Anne in absolute power is being influenced by her longtime childhood friend and lover, Lady Churchill, played by Rachel Weisz. She presses the queen to continue the war with France while a former aristocrat, now working as a servant, Abigail Masham, played by Emma Stone, discovers a secret that can get her back into the aristocracy. A thoroughly modern art film set in the time of candlesticks, three women fight for dominance and influence in a time of absolute power. Your thoughts? I thought it was just a little bit better than Roma. It wasn't for me. This movie was I knew for me. it. You just yeah. don't like... It just wasn't for me. I, I didn't like the way it was shot. And I love fisheye lenses. Mm-hmm. Um... I just didn't like the way it was shot. I thought, cause remember when um, they did Romeo and Juliet with Leo DiCaprio and Harold Perrineau, and they tried to make it all slick, even yeah. though like you know, and all. I felt like they were kind of doing that with this, but at least like Romeo and Juliet, they had like kind of slick costumes and whatnot. This is just like traditional uh, English uh, costumes and, and clothes, and then they try to make it. They try to shoot it all slick. And I just thought, oh, like, it just, I don't know. It wasn't made for me. It, it really was. And then, and the thing is, I'm a dude, and there was lesbian scenes, and there was women kissing, and it was, I was like, wow, but I was eh, well, like, it was just like the lens that they used. Much, otherwise, yeah. it would have been, otherwise, it would have been perfect. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and I don't know because the screener that I have, I'm not sure if it was, if they gave it to us in 1080p. I felt like it was more like 720 or 480. Um, so maybe the graininess kind of affected me, but oh, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought, like, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, God, this is not for me. And then I, I didn't, I want to use the word identify, but like I didn't, I didn't identify with anyone, obviously, because I'm a dude. But for me, like I didn't feel for anyone. I didn't, I didn't pull for anyone. I didn't want, I didn't care who won. It really didn't matter like, did to me. Did you hate them all? Hate is a strong word. <laughs> uh, but like, you I know, just, dislike. Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't like anyone. When that scene when Rachel Weiss t- 
talks to Emma about like how do you think you've won? And like I, I watch like I don't I don't even care who wins. <laughs> I don't care if Rachel wins. I don't care if if Emma wins. And you know, and this was like the inaugural movie of Emma Stone's boobs, and I still didn't care. I really didn't, care. and that's how much I didn't care about the movie and the characters. I was just like, eh, like I was like, eh, whatever. Um, and I like the act. I like all the actors in there. Um, I I always forget his name, but the guy that played Harley, he was in. Uh, he's the kid in About a Boy, and uh, that that zombie movie where they fought the zombie romantic comedy. Like I Warm like bodies. Him. Hmm? Warm bodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot his yeah, name. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, um, I, I like him a lot. And I, I like I like I like all the actors. He the was Beast and X Men. Yeah, yeah, Beast and X Men. Um, but I don't know. For me, the movie, I just could not bring myself to care about any of them. It was just, eh. And I and I thought if we have other assignments with these kind of movies, um, I may or may not drink while I watch it. <laughs> this was <just> one. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a separate podcast for that. For drinking? Yeah. Oz <laughs> Davis. Well, Walter, I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> um, what I liked, I'm really fond of movies that I call it refreshing the cliches in the genre. Um, one of my all-time favorites on this, and this is going to be a bizarre link, but one of my all-time favorites is the animated film Ants. Ants uh, starred Woody Allen as uh, basically himself, but as an ant. And Sharon Stone was the love interest, and she was basically Sharon Stone, but as an aunt. And while they played the same characters in the same way, it was just refreshingly different because it was done with this humor and in this kid's story, in this fable, basically. And so in this movie, when you say it's a typical British costume drama, well, yes and no, right? Because that was the thing. To me, it took all the trappings of the costume drama and twisted it. And made it really weird, you know, you know, consulted the ghost of Fellini and just, you know, got weird looking people on there and threw in scenes like the like the weird bit about how, you know, the parliamentarians or the MPs entertain themselves by throwing apples at a naked guy. <laughs> this was totally surreal stuff. The modern dancing stuff. And um, I also thought what was really interesting was this. And this is where Quaron's film failed is that there was this nice use of what they call in jazz negative space, right? You watch any other English royalty film, you believe that these people do nothing all day except scheme, plot, and, you know, murder, right? But in this movie, there's these long scenes where the queen is just by herself and she's bored, right? Or they're messing around with the bunnies or these ministers are trying to explain to the queen, you know, as she's in bed, but she's all dotty and she doesn't pay attention. You know, stuff like that to me, it, again, it refreshed that genre. It, 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 this thing was the furthest thing from one of those merchant ivory films that we were bombarded with in the nineties, uh, as anything else. Um, I just loved it. I thought it was the best film of the nominees for best picture. Uh, there were two or three other films that I liked a little bit more last year, but I love this film. Rachel. Yeah, I think I'm siding with you here, Oz. Um, I I enjoyed it. I thought I did walk away feeling like it was a little bit long, which is usually not a good thing. Um, but in general, I'm a fan of this director's work. I really liked um, The Lobster. Yeah. I think I actually enjoyed that more than The Favorite. Um, but it might have just been like a kind of like the the surreal sci-fi story. I'm not really used to costume dramas but maybe that's just because I didn't really like grow up with them but this the favorite I thought was a really fun ride um 
I enjoyed that it was it was really the cinematography, the music, super jarring. Um, but that's kind of what Lanthimos is known for. Um, and Robbie Ryan, the DP. Um, the characters were shocking. And they were all, like, delightfully despicable, if that <laughs> makes sense. They're, like, I found them all to be, like, great anti-heroes. Um, excellent acting. Um, sharp writing. The plot was fascinating. Um yeah, I was overall really pleased with the film. And funny enough, I was looking this up earlier and actually had the same budget as both Black Klansmen and as Roma. So they were all made with a budget of $15 million for a period piece. I mean, they're all period pieces, but... Well, they did shoot it in England. They actually shot it at two castles in England. And so that'll jack up the price right there. Be- they did have fewer locations, though. Because there's the two castles and then the house that Rachel Weiss's character runs away to and then outside the exterior of the castle. Whereas in you look in Black Klansmen, they're all over the place. They're in different yeah. people's homes. They're on the street. They're on they're in different various auditoriums. None of the act- actresses must have gotten their quotes, their normal quotes. They must have all um, said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get the same pay or something because there's just no way. I mean, Rachel, Emma, there's just no way. Olivia, yeah. Yeah, there's no way they're going to. Yeah, you can't afford, they can't afford all that. Was it? Wasn't it a Channel Four production? So that's like a. I, it's based in. I believe British it was TV, the BBC. Yeah. yeah, it's based based yeah. in BBC. Mm-hmm. It's still for actors though, and this is what I think. I put to understand is when when that whole time period came. Uh, not time period, but when that time was when female actresses were like, "Hey, we're not getting paid the same as male actors," and then that they got the general public behind them. Oh, that's unfair. But that's not how the system works. I, whether it's right or wrong, that's not how the Hollywood system works. You you you, you get paid based on what you got paid before. And that's just how it works, whether it's right or wrong. And in a situation like in a movie like this where, oh, I think they, they signed up because they wanted to do the movie. But, they're, but if, they're, if they could receive a less quote, that's, that affects their next job. Mm-hmm. Because what they'll do is, oh, you got paid this much, this little for your last job. Come on, just do the same thing. And then you get into this hard negotiations. And that's what all, all these actors that were coming out saying, oh, yeah, actors should get paid the same amount. They're, I'm like, you guys, keep your mouth shut. Because you're 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 shooting yourselves in the foot. You're gonna you're gonna get less money because they're gonna say, "Hey, we have no budget because we have to pay because of public demand. We got to pay all the actors the same." But that's not how the system is set up. And so, it, like, I don't know. That's a separate thing. Well, but like, th- yeah, for this movie, I think like they probably took a, a huge pay cut. This was a little bit of an exception, at least in the in the case of uh, Olivia. Um, she she is what they call a national treasure over there in she England. She is. And she was just coming off a of broad church, which was mm-hmm. very popular. It's a pretty decent show where she basically stole the spotlight from David Tennant, mm-hmm. who's billed as the star going in. And so I think for her, she saw this movie as a possible, you know, yeah. bid for more exposure. Um, also, the other thing is this. Every once in a while, you know, Terry Gilliam or somebody or Spike Lee wants to make a movie and they'll get somebody like Chris Waltz. To do industry minimum. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because these are proper filmmakers. Yeah. Now, on this one, I'm sure they're working on a British budget. And like you said, I'm sure Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss took a pay cut. Yeah. But there are certain situations where you do have to take less money. This has been MacGuffin Report with Rachel Wong. Oz Davis, Walter Hall, produced by Inclusive Medium.